Beautiful, thank you. Just taking a moment to pause and take in the sight of that bowl that's full of beautiful aspirations. And we'll put it on the shrine there so it can be a visual inspiration for our practice over these next few days. And in fact, the words aspiration and inspiration, they both come from the Latin root for the word for breathing. And to me, that's interesting because it helps me think of aspiration and inspiration, not just as niceties or luxuries, but actually as something essential, essential to our being, just as the breath is essential to life. So we have that aspiration, that inspiration to motivate us. And soon we'll be exploring mindfulness of breathing in a little more detail. But first I wanted to give just a bit of context about what we're doing and why. So this invitation to deepen into stillness and to open to peace could potentially be misunderstood as an attempt to escape our ordinary lives for a few days to have a kind of a mental holiday or vacation to get ourselves more refreshed so that we can go back to our everyday reality. Until eventually, of course, that feeling of refreshment wears off and then we start looking for some other form of escape. So I want to be clear (coughs) from the beginning that the peace we're orienting to here is a fruit, but it's not an end in itself. It has the purpose of strengthening our inner resilience so that we can meet life's challenges and rewards with more balance and ease. So that was the second line of the retreat description, maybe the fine print, so to speak. And hopefully from that description you get a sense that there's a transformative aspect to the peace that we're developing here. It's not just a pleasant but transitory experience. It supports the deepening of insight, of clear seeing, the kind of clear seeing that helps us make lasting changes to how we live our lives, how we show up in the world, how we show up for ourselves, our family, our community, our sangha, the environment. Now, Possibly that's sounding a little ambitious to achieve in just five days. So it's important to keep in mind that this is a process. And because all of you here are experienced meditators, you're all already engaged in this process, already some way along this path or journey. And these five days, they give us an opportunity to continue that process, that journey towards peace, towards freedom. Now, even though most of us might have some sense that peace is a good thing, unfortunately, we can't just tell ourselves, oh, stop being agitated, stop being anxious, just relax, relax, get peaceful, will you? At least that doesn't work for me. And in fact, telling ourselves to do that often results in more stress and more unease. So instead, we need to understand What are the conditions that support us to experience ease? And what are the conditions that are obstacles to that ease? And that's what we'll be exploring over the next few days. 
So for those of you who are familiar with the Buddha's teachings, this is an important aspect of right or wise view and also of right or wise effort. And I'll be saying more about that later on. But for now, we're starting to sensitize ourselves to our actual experience, just as it is, more and more clearly. And this sensitizing involves knowing what's happening in the body, knowing what's happening in the heart-mind, and knowing how are we relating to that experience. In other words, what's the attitude in the mind about what's happening? So right there, I've just named three general domains of awareness that we can train in paying attention to. And we can do that even right now, taking a kind of momentary snapshot. So you can ask yourself, how is the body in this moment? What's happening in the body right now? What physical sensations are you aware of? So just noticing whatever's most obvious. Maybe there's a slight ache in the lower back, or a sense of heaviness or lightness, warmth or coolness, perhaps some general sensations of tingling or throbbing. And then once you've got a sense of what's happening in the body, how the body is right now, you can ask that same question in relation to the mind, to mental activity. So you can check what's happening in the heart-mind right now. And this term heart-mind, we often use it instead of just mind, because in English the word mind is often associated just with the intellect. But in the Buddha's teaching, the term mind also includes our emotions and moods. So the heart part of heart-mind gives that sense that we're including feelings here. So coming back to that second question, we can ask ourselves, what's happening in the heart-mind right now? And silently name whatever might be present. Maybe some kind of thinking, an emotion or a feeling, maybe an underlying mood. So this is just a momentary snapshot. If you find yourself getting caught up in thinking too much about it, trying to work out whether that feeling is resentment or irritation, for example, just let it go and note something. If necessary, you can come back to it later. So again, just in this moment, how is the heart-mind now? And then the third question is, how am I relating to this experience? Or what's the attitude in the mind about it? You can notice that. Are you relating to your experience in this moment? So here we get to see if there's any subtle or not so subtle reactivity of some kind perhaps wanting or not wanting, energetically leaning into or away from experience, liking it, wanting it to continue, trying to prolong it or enhance it, 
or the opposite, not liking it, wanting it to go away, resisting it. And when we recognize if either of these reactions are present, it's good to bring mindfulness back to the body, to notice how those mental reactions of liking or disliking, they usually bring some kind of bodily tension with them. So you might check if that's true for you now, if there might be some reaction. Just quickly scan through your body and see, is there any tension there that could be softened, released, relaxed? Because that relaxing of the body helps the heart and the mind to find more ease too. So our ability to tune in like this and to stay present and steady with our experience just as it is, it's dependent on two particular qualities of mind that the Buddha highlighted all through his teachings as being crucially important. And these two qualities are mindfulness and stability of mind, or sati and samadhi in Pali. Excuse me a moment. So these two mental qualities are mindfulness and stability of mind, sati and samadhi. And I sometimes use the Pali words alongside the English ones, partly because as these teachings are becoming more and more mainstream, sometimes the way they're translated into English, they can lose some of their depth and their nuance. And although at first it might take a little bit more effort to learn what these terms are referring to, as you get familiar with them, you might start to develop a deeper understanding of what they actually mean, how they're experienced in practice. Another reason for using Pali is that some of these key terms, some of you have practiced in different traditions, use different approaches, and they might be explained using different English terms, but in fact they're referring to the same Pali word. So sati is the capacity to know our immediate experience just as it is without getting lost in thought about it without clinging to it without resisting it without taking it personally so the highly regarded Thai meditation teacher Upasika Ki Nanayan she talks about cultivating an unentangled knowing So that's another way we can think of mindfulness, as an unentangled knowing. Sounds very simple, but as I'm sure you all know, it's not so easy in practice. Because if I were just to say to you, okay, sit here, be fully mindful and present for the whole next five minutes. See a few people smiling. (laughs) How present would you actually be during that time, even for five minutes? So often telling ourselves just be mindful can feel like a setup because within seconds the mind goes back to its usual habits of wandering and worrying and fantasizing and planning and ruminating and so on. And sometimes we don't even recognize that's happened until the bell rings 30 minutes later. So sometimes I think that referring to this practice as mindfulness of breathing 
should more accurately be called mindfulness of thinking with some breathing. (laughs) A little more realistic for most of us most of the time. But actually, that's not just a joke, because if there is in fact mindfulness of thinking, that's good practice, and we will be exploring that later in the retreat. So one reason that we can't just stay with the breath continuously is because we need a second quality of mind to help us stay steady and present. And that quality is the quality of samadhi, the mind that is stable and steady, not distracted, not scattered. It's unwavering, absorbed, unified. This term samadhi, as many of you know, is often translated into English as concentration. But the drawback of the English word concentration is that it suggests a kind of furrowed brow fixation on experience. It suggests narrowing the attention in a way that often just makes the mind tight and actually gets in the way of true samadhi. So true samadhi is a relaxed, and steady presence of mind. It's unified and stable rather than fragmented and distracted. So in order to develop clear seeing insight, we need both sati or mindfulness and samadhi or steadiness, both of them working together to support each other. And one image that's used for this in the traditional discourses, it says sati and samadhi are like two hands washing each other two hands washing each other. We need both qualities for this practice to be fully effective. Unfortunately for most of us, the conditions of ordinary life don't support this steadiness of mind. Quite the opposite. Most of us are pushed into multitasking and overstimulation and habitual distractedness. So when we sit down to meditate, our minds are often all over the place, jumpy, agitated, restless, scattered. Now, this is completely normal, especially in the first few days of a retreat, which usually involve remembering how to just sit patiently with however the mind is. And one analogy that's sometimes used for this process is that of training a puppy We sit the puppy down on a piece of newspaper and we tell it to stay. And of course within seconds it jumps up, it's running around. We bring it back, we tell it firmly and kindly, stay each time it moves away. And eventually it understands what we're asking it to do. And it obediently begins to stay in just that one place for as long as we want it to. Now hopefully from that analogy of the puppy, it's clear we need to be kind. Because if instead each time the puppy jumped up, we chased after it, we shouted at it, we gave it a good whack and dragged it back to its piece of paper, eventually the puppy's not going to come back at all. We want to encourage the puppy to come back. And maybe it's extending the analogy a little far, but sometimes we need to reward it with dog treats. (laughs) So in the context of meditation, what are our metaphorical dog treats? Well, when it comes to training the mind, the reward is the pleasantness of being present, as one of my teachers, Bhikkhu Analyo, likes to say. 
as we keep finding this subtle pleasantness of simply being present eventually that pleasantness deepens into the contentment the happiness the joy times even the bliss of samadhi now again this is a process that takes time for most people it doesn't happen on day one of the retreat we need to start this process of settling and steadying the mind by bringing awareness to the breath so we use the breath as what we call our anchor or our primary object and we just keep returning the attention to the breathing whenever we recognize that the mind has wandered and we use the breath because it's always available if we're alive obviously we're breathing so the breath can always be there in the background of our awareness as a kind of a home base even right now as your mind might be taking in the words and the ideas some part of your attention can be connecting with the breathing a second huge benefit of the breath is that it's always in the present moment sensations of the breath they're happening now 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 unlike the mind which is very often lost in the past or fantasizing about the future and as we get more used to being in the present we start to recognize very directly how not being present is stressful whereas coming home to the simplicity of the physical sensations of the breath gives us a direct taste of the relative ease of being present that subtle pleasantness that i just mentioned this is the gift or the present of being present the third benefit to the breath is that it has a rhythm to it it flows in and out it's constantly changing in quite subtle ways and so that makes it easier to pay attention to than something that was totally static and still and then fourthly the breath is the has that rhythm and it's quite calming for most people so usually the more we stay steady and present to the breath the quieter the mind can get we can just allow the body to relax a bit more fully and then the mind calms down even more however one potential drawback of the breath that's often quite common at the start of a retreat and that is the tendency to unconsciously make too much effort in bringing awareness to the breath so in the instructions you'll hear me using words like receiving the breathing or being with the breathing or simply knowing that you're breathing in and breathing out but even though i use that kind of language sometimes people translate it to focus on the breath stay with the breath observe the breath and that creates an unconscious tension and even a tendency to fixate on the breath so this is where that question what's the attitude in the mind can be helpful so if we come to our meditation with the expectation that it's supposed to be about making ourselves calm then when that doesn't happen we get caught up in judgment the mind contracts which makes the body contract and that tension makes the mind react even more and the body gets even more tense 
So we want to see if that pattern is starting to build, that interaction between body and mind. Because it works the other way too. The more we can relax the body, the easier it is to relax the mind, which supports deeper settling and stilling. So in this way, sati and samadhi are working together. And eventually we can drop down into a more steady and more continuous awareness of the breath. It almost becomes effortless at times, becomes deeply nourishing for our whole being. So that's the overall direction that we're heading in. And that's probably enough words for now. Let's take some time. Um, just to follow on the point you were making about the breath. Yeah, sure. Something that I found quite helpful is it. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.